people have agreed to disagree on this on this chapter, uh, Mark chapter 13, and that was basically a sermon. Um, so who am I to say to you, I'm going to give you the tr- I'm going to give you the absolute truth of what more lean in. Pastor Joel is going to give you the exact interpretation of Mark chapter 13 because everyone else is wrong. Pastor Joel's right. You better believe me and not go to don't go to don't go to that book and don't go to that sermon. You trust me. Listen, who am I? Listen. And number two, the number number two thing I got to understand before we go into the scripture. When it comes to Mark chapter 13, when it comes to 1 Thessalonians, when it comes to Daniel, when it comes to Revelation, all of those are very much debated by spirit-filled people. And you don't go to heaven by being the the right one about when Jesus comes back, how he's coming back, you know, pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, no trib, no no rapture, no no. You're not going to heaven because you're exactly right. Can we all agree with that? Okay. You, you could be right about it and still like not live for Jesus. Right? So when it comes to Mark 13, I'm giving you my opinion, not what I know to be for sure, because who am I? Like, I am not a Bible scholar. There, there is times where I do study the Bible. I go deep within the Bible. And, uh, but I am, when it comes to the 2000 years of history that we have of this scripture, it's been debated for centuries for, uh, oh, you know, with, with spirit-filled people. So, are we okay? Okay. One person's okay. The rest of us, you're like, <laughs> but I'm still looking forward. I can't skip Mark chapter 13. Now, we're not going to read the entire chapter in its entirety. There's 37 verses. I can't I have, I don't have time to study every verse. So, when you get home, not now, when you get home, you're going to want to read the rest of it. Okay, there's some good stuff that we have to miss, but we're, there's no way. So all that to go to a little mini story is, I remember when I was a kid, I used to go to the Sumner High School swimming pool because my parents uh, worked for Sumner School District, and we loved the Sumner School District pool. It was where everybody went to go swimming. We didn't have an outdoor pool like we do here that's no not open right now. Um, but I remember when I was, I loved going on a diving board. Anybody love d- jumping off a diving board? I don't dive off a diving board. I jump either a big ball or I go, this day I decided to jump off the diving board straight as a board because I want to touch the bottom. Anybody else remember doing that? Okay. The thing that you learn about that is when you hit the water, gravity still works. You don't hit the water and go and just to me, I was a very thin child. I was, I, I ate a lot, but I was very active and, you know, things had changed a little bit, but I was not as buoyancy as I, as some, as I, as I am now. I don't, I don't just bob in the water, but I went right down the bottom and I realized as I touched the bottom, there is a lot of water ahead of me. I need air right now. Anybody ever have that story? You're like, I have, I have four seconds of water, but I need, I need air in one second. There's a problem here. So I touched the bottom and I shot up as straight as a board and I lived, obviously, right? I didn't die. I didn't need CPR. I was fine. But why do I say that? It's because many of us, as we go through Mark 13, the verses that the Lord said, this is what you need to focus on. You're going to feel like you're underwater and you need air because it's, it's, it can be confusing. Okay. There's at least three interpretations of Mark 13. Okay, 
Now, we're going to want to go back to the air and breathe and go, now I want to go to my real life. Because what in the world does Mark 13 have to do, especially when you get my, what is it, my opinion, okay? Not what, what every Bible teacher says. And I give you permission to disagree with me. Well, that's, that's dangerous. But it's true. You can listen to me and go, eh, you're, yeah, you're a little, pastor, you're a little off. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. But are you guys ready? Let's go into Mark chapter 13. We'll read the first couple verses. We're going to take this bite. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Okay. As G- he's been in the temple for a while now. Now he's getting ready to leave. And by the way, next week, Mark 14, everything changes. It is literally the beginning of the end. Next, cha- next chapter. So this is a very important one. Odd one to put it right here and to kind of, okay. But as Jesus is leaving the temple that day, one of his disciples said, teacher, look at these magnificent buildings. Okay, pause. They're not from Jerusalem. They're not used to seeing the temple. Okay, this is, the temple is the epicenter of their religion. It, it's like, it's like all of us would want to make a journey to Jerusalem. Many of us would want to go to Jerusalem and or Israel. We want to see Israel, all the sites. I would love to. So seeing this, they're like, wow. Because this, this specific temple here took years to build. They were never quite done. They just kept adding on to it. He goes, these are magnificent buildings. Look at the impressive stones in the walls. Jesus is a wet blanket here. He says, yes, look at these great buildings, but they will not, they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on another. Now let's take a little side note here. Remember, we're not talking today about 1 Thessalonians. We're not talking about Daniel necessarily. Jesus refers to Daniel in a moment. We're not talking about Revelation. We're talking about Mark 13, right? We're taking Mark 13 and we're looking at Mark 13 only. Okay? See, a lot of people get lost in, they take all these scriptures and they put them all in a jump, they put them all in a blender and they hit the blend button. And then all of a sudden, what do you got? You got this little smoothie of all this stuff that Jesus says, all this stuff that Paul says, the, the, what God says through Daniel. Got not, okay, look, so you're asking, you're asking Jesus, or you're saying, wow, we're in New York City and you see the Statue of Liberty. I've never been there, but I'm sure it's impressive. Like, wow, look at the Statue of Liberty. And Jesus goes, not to, not to ruin your party here, but that building right there, your epicenter of your religion, going to be gone. Not one stone is going to be left on. It's going to be a mess. Well, thanks, Jesus. So they leave the temple, and they cross the Kidron Valley, and they go on top of the Mount of Olives. Now, you know how important the Mount of Olives is. It's the place that they go to. Okay? They had to go up to the Mount of Olives to go to uh, a different place. But as they're sitting on the Mount of Olives, and they're sitting down, relaxing, what are they looking right in front of them? They're looking at the temple. Because from the Mount of Olives to the Kidron Valley, there is this temple, this massive, beautiful building. So they're still looking at the temple. Then, in verse 3, so far so good. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives across the valley from the temple. What are they looking at right now? Temple. Okay? They're sitting on the Mount of Olives across the valley from the temple. They were just there. Jesus had just, not so long before that, turned tables over, debated people in the temple. 
He's done all this stuff in the temple, so it's on his mind. It's on the disciples' mind. And then Peter, James, John, and Andrew, I think they had a little private meeting on the way there. Guys, this is kind of a major deal that Jesus just said. Our temple, this is the place that we go to sacrifice, is the place that we believe that God lives. And Jesus just said, this temple is not going to, it's no longer going to stand. How many of us know that the temple doesn't stand there anymore? So was Jesus right? Of course he was. He predicted 100%. And then they came to him privately on the Mount of Olives and they went, Psst, Jesus, you can't just ignore what we just, what we just, what you just said. When will all this happen? What sign will you show us that these things are about to be fulfilled? Pause. Most scholars know what they're talking about, but that phrase, when will all this happen? The word this, when will all this happen? A lot of people debate even over that. But again, we're reading, we're reading Mark chapter 13 right now, right? We're not in First Thessalonians. We're not in Daniel. We're not in Revelation. The, go with the, the conversation here. Okay. What were they just looking at? The temple. They were just there. Okay. When will all this happen? What sign will you show us that these things are about to be fulfilled? So, remember this, temple was the main place for religious functions. Okay? It's bigger than a church building. Not, in, not just size, but I mean in, in, in meaning for them. This was where the Holy of Holies, this is where God, we, we know that God doesn't live in buildings. He lives inside of us through the Holy Spirit. But think, think with the Jewish mindset for a minute huge. When Jesus says this place is not going to be, no longer going to be, it's not going to be here any longer. That's massive news. It's news to them. Like, when is this going to happen? Like, is it tomorrow? Is it 30 years? Is it 40 years? Spoiler alert, right? But what, what sign are you going to show us? What's the few things that's going to happen right before it happens? So classic Jesus doesn't exactly answer the question right away. Have you ever noticed that in the Bible? That when they'll say a question, like, hey, what's one plus one? And Jesus says, well, a noun means da, 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 da. Now I'm being a little facetious here, but he will, you'll ask him a specific question and he doesn't answer it. Have you noticed that about him today? A few weeks ago, there were people, you know, that were having a discussion over here. I can't remember who it was. They were saying, you know, I've asked God the why question, but I don't seem to get the, the answer to the why question. I said, that's not a question oftentimes God answers. The why question, he's answering the what question. What are you doing in my life because of this? Not why. What? Because he's more concerned about the truth that he wants for you, not just our questions. I want us to be okay about not understanding everything about God not understanding everything about every little scripture, because God's a big God, right? How many of us think that God's a big God? And if God really exists, there are things that just don't make sense about him or life or what he's having us go through. We need to not fear the things that we're going through. Trust God that he knows what he's doing, but they're going, when will all this happen, Lord? So something that's going to help you understand this passage of scripture specifically is what, looking at context, what Jesus has been talking about for the last five or six chapters. 
He's been talking to his disciples specifically about, I'm getting you ready for my death. My, they're going to arrest me. They're going to kill me. I'm going to die. I'm going to be resurrected and I'm going to be, I'm going to go away from you. You remember that? He's been, what does Peter say? You, no, you're not, you're, no, 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 you do not. That's not you. And Jesus goes, what does Jesus call him? What name does he call him? Satan. Get behind me, Satan. You don't have the mind of God. You have the mind of, of the devil. You're not thinking like, like I'm thinking. So for chapters and chapters and chapters, he's been getting them ready for his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. What are they going to do when Jesus is no longer physically right there? Because is Jesus physically right here? I've never seen him, but I know who's here, the Holy Spirit. We know through the book of Acts that, the, that Jesus himself physically went up into the sky. I wish I could have seen that. And then he was hidden from the clouds. And two angels had to explain to them what was going on. Then he sent the Holy Spirit to live with us. So things changed for them after the ascension. Jesus said, it's for my good that I go away. It's for your good that I go away. And so they're going, okay, what about the temple? And then he answers them in a weird, in a different way. Like, he should say, okay, it's going to happen in 30 years on Tuesday in, you know, 45 AD. Set your watches. Be ready. He does give him a little bit of hints to how it's going to happen, but not right away. Because again, he's preparing them. And he goes like this. Jesus replied, replied, right? They asked him a question about the temple. Don't let anyone mislead you. Okay. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will, de they will deceive many. Okay, how much, is this the temple? Look, we, Jesus, time out. You just, we just asked you about the temple. What is going on here? Remember, he is preparing them for when he ascends to be with the Father. What's going to happen to them right after he leaves? Okay. He says, you will hear of wars, rumors of wars, threats of wars, but don't panic. Everybody say, don't panic. Fear not. Notice I underline that. Because if you get lost in this entire sermon, I'm giving you the Cliff Notes version of my sermon right now. If you get bored or you're like, whatever, here it is. No matter what you face in your life, which we face a lot, don't panic. How many of us are worrywarts and panickers? <laughs> I read that and I go, Jesus, you obviously don't know me. And he goes, yeah, I do. Fear not. Don't fret. Pan don't panic. Yes, these things must take place. What? There's going to be false messiahs. I've never met one. But you better believe, and there's going to be, we're, we're, at some other point, we'll talk about Revelation and 1 Thessalonians and Daniel, okay? But in the first century, if you read if you go, you can go online and read Josephus' writings, this historian that did history of the Jewish people. There's so much on there about what took place in the first century, including Jesus and his disciples and the fall of the temple and these false messiahs. It happened in the first century. Okay. And you'll hear of wars. You'll hear threats of wars, rumors of wars. Don't panic. These things must take place. But, everybody say, but. These things are all going to happen, guys. But the end won't follow immediately. 
Now, Jesus uses language that doesn't really help here. <laughs> what end is he talking about? Right? Is he talking about the end of the world? Is he talking about the end of the temple? Is he talking about the end of the old religion as we know it? How many of us think we know what that means, the end? Or does it mean the end of time? I won't make you raise your hand because it's not fair. Okay? He uses language like this in the middle of talking about the temple, all sorts of different stuff that we that scholars wrestle over. It kind of reminds me when I was in college. We would we would debate for fun. Bible passages for fun. How many of us would like to do that for fun? Debate the Bible. For for some people, it's fun. And we would get some people would go, Joel, that was that was a stupid thing to say. And I'm like, well, let's calm down and be nice about it. I was the nice one. I'm like, that's okay. He's just wrong. He, he'll be in a different neighborhood in heaven, but he's wrong, right? I'd be nice about it. They'd be like, Joel, you're an idiot, you know? And I learned a lot through these group of men who were in my dorms. But so, again, be okay with not understanding everything about Jesus and about the end times, about what's going on here. You, if God is a huge God, there are certain things that you're not going to understand. And... Again, you don't go to heaven by being 100% correct about this chapter. Don't you thank God for that? I could be 100% wrong on this and go, and I go to heaven and Jesus goes, you know, you were wrong about that. Okay. And he goes, okay, <laughs> right? But the end won't follow immediately. It would be nice to know what that means, the end, right? But he's warning them a few things. But what I want to focus on right here. Before we move on to the very, the couple controversial parts, this hasn't, this hasn't even been controversial yet, okay? Uh, the, <laughs> this is the easy stuff, because most scholars agree with what these passages mean, the temple, okay? Does anyone, any Bible, not Bible scholars, but history scholars, do you know what year the temple fell? This is my, I had to pay $100,000 for this, 70 AD, right? Everybody say 70 AD, 70, year of our Lord, 70, okay? The temple, the Roman, the Roman army went in there, did stuff in the temple, which we'll talk about in a minute, destroyed the temple, destroyed Jerusalem. It has never been the same since. You can go to Jerusalem and say, this is old town Jerusalem. This is old Jerusalem. This is where Jesus was. This is where the temple was. It hasn't been the same since, okay? Now, you guys still breathing? Are we, are we, are we, breathe for a second. Okay. I want you to underline something. If you believe in that in your Bible, underline circle, whatever, write notes in your margin. Do not panic or do not fear or fret not or anxiety not, whatever. That's not even proper, but whatever. Do not have anxiety. Easy for you to say, Jesus. Remember, we fixed the roof of, like, last summer. We've had a few spots in the past where it was leaking. Every time it rains, like, remember the downpour? Remember, it just happened yesterday. You know that downpour yesterday? What was the first thing I was thinking about? The church building. It's been ingrained in my head. And I said it out loud. I need God to heal this because it is like immediately, because what I used to do when it poured, go to the church and I could see that, that inside the upstairs, there was water dripping. Not a good thing to happen. And I know it's fixed. I know it's good, but my anxiety creeps in 
and rules me, right? And I don't feel good. I'm sitting there at the house looking outside the window. I'm like, is, is our road going to flood? Is my backyard going to flood? See, don't panic. Don't have anxiety. Stop it. I'm talking to myself. Why? Because things are out of your control. Period. You are not in control of everything. Wow, that's, that will preach, but it doesn't feel good because we want our hands on everything. We want to be in control of everything. Come on, right? But he says, do not panic. Trust him. Let's keep going. Nation will go to war against nation. Kingdoms against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in many parts of the world, as well as famines. But this, what's this? The earthquakes, the wars, the rumors of wars, nation going against nation. These are only the first of the birth pains. So there's just, it's kind of like when we, when we, when Lydia had Hayden, yeah, I was, I had Hayden too. We had to like walk down the, the we were in Cottonwood and she's walking down the, the hallway back and forth. I mean, it's probably what, 11 o'clock at night. I can't remember, but it, it was just too stressful for me. You know what I mean? It was just, I can't remember, but she's walking. There's certain birth pains that were, pangs that were happening. And at, it's easy for me to say the first little bit wasn't that bad, Right. It's easy for me to say that. But then as time went on, it got worse. They said, we can give you the special little, not little, but big needle in your back. Do you want it? No. And then later she just grabs me. Where's my drugs? Right? Because it was so, I said, it's too late. Dr. Joel says, no, I didn't say it. The doctor says too late. Right? So he says, these are going to happen. This is the first of the birth pains. They're not going to be that bad. They're going to be little with more to come. When these things begin to happen, you might think, well, he just said, do not fear. Watch out's different. Be on alert. Be like my dog, Porkchop, when there's thunder. Yesterday there was thunder. You would think it was the 4th of July, which he freaks out. <laughs> he is on high alert when there's lightning and thunder. He, he, he's up on the, on the chair and he's looking outside and he runs down. He, he, he's like shaking. He's on high alert. He's well aware of what's going on in the world, in his world. His world's like this small. So Jesus says, watch out. You, who's you? Who is you? Who's he talking to? Right now he's talking to the disciples. You, which it helps to read the entire Bible. You will be, if you read the book of Acts, this will be very familiar to you, right? You will be handed over to local councils. You will be beaten in the synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. How many of us have ever read the book of Acts? What happens in that book? This very same thing, right? They stand in front of kings. They stand in front of Felix. They stand in front of governors. They, st they get, they get beaten. They get beaten and they get into prison and then what? They start worshiping in prison and then the angel lets them out. Remember that? This very thing that Jesus is predicting to the disciples, a very localized thing, happens in the book of Acts. But the important part to them, and even for us, this could be a history lesson that you guys go home and go, well, that was a great history lesson. Every 
moment in your life is an opportunity to tell people about Christ. Your testimony happens because you had a test. And God helped you through that test, and it created a testimony for of God's faithfulness and his goodness. That's what he's saying to his disciples. See, Jesus says, do not fear, but watch out. More literally, be on high alert. Okay, remember, I want to pause here. This is Bible study. It's important. Okay, all the scripture is God-breathed for us. It's all for us. It's useful for us. But I want you to notice, and you'll, there's a few clues why I believe this. He's talking very right here, very specifically to his disciples. Okay? It's, there's, a, there's a reason why I believe that um, in just a moment. Just hang on. Everybody okay? Everybody's buckle up a little bit because, again, this is going to start to get heated here, and you're going to get, it's like going in a pool. You're going to go in the deep end of the pool, and you're not going to be able to, you, you feel like you're not getting out of that 12-foot section. Okay? Verse 10. This is the last little part where it's safe. The rest of it is going to be dangerous. <laughs> but for the good news must be first preached to all nations. But when you're arrested stand and stand trial, don't worry in advance about what to say. Just say what God tells you at that time, for it is not you who will be speaking, but the Holy Spirit. A brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child. Children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. Wow, this is getting very dark very quick. And everyone will hate you because you are my followers. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Let me stop right there because even that's like, what are you, Jesus, what's going on here? Jesus is talking directly to the disciples. You see four Peter, James, John, Andrew. I'd have to go back to get exactly, but he's saying, good news, bad news. Which one? How many of you guys want the good news? Okay, you do? Okay, good news is this. You're going to survive the, com the, the coming, the first, birth, the first of the birth pains, if you will. But bad news, there's going to be something going to happen later on. And we know that from the disciples, everyone except for John died and was 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 murdered basically. John, they couldn't kill him. He wouldn't die, so they threw him and cast him on Patmos, and he died of old age. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. See, now warning. If I had like a warning, warning, warning. This I'm talking about verse 14 and beyond is where. Holy Spirit-filled believers disagree, okay? They agree to disagree. There's at least three interpretations of this. Most scholars believe the first 13 verses are specifically about the fall of the temple. It's just, it goes with the flow of it more naturally. Verse 14, you guys ready? There's going to be some, ver like some things in there. You're like, what in the world, Jesus? The day is coming... When you, you, everybody say you. Again, this is me just being me here, not Bible scholar Joel. Who, who's he been talking to this entire time? The disciples, right? Am I, am I missing something here? No, he's been talking to his disciples. There is a day that's coming when you will see 
this may be a different translation, so you might not be uh, familiar with this, but the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing where he should not be. Interesting. Okay, your translation probably says, what is it? Does anybody? It says, abomination of desecration. How many of you guys have ever heard that before? That's a very weird term. How many of us have you heard abomination of desecration? If you study end time things, if you study eschatology, if you've done all that Bible study, you've heard that term. And a lot of people go, what are you talking about? This, he goes, the day is coming when you will see the decor, the, the, uh, uh, and I don't even, that, what is it? Sac, whatever, the abomination of desecration. See, I'm already getting confused and I'm preaching it. Okay, reset. That'll be fun on YouTube. Um, <laughs> Then a side note, Jesus does not say this. Reader, pay attention. Obviously, because he goes, okay, lean in a little bit. He's saying there, there, there is a person, like it is Mark or Peter going, guys, who are reading this later on, take a deep breath, okay? Then those in where? Judea. Everybody say Judea. Okay, this is why I believe what I do right now. Because it's a very localized thing. Who's going to be fleeing to the hills? The people in Judea. Not around the world. Okay, let me be on, let me be blunt with you and you can, you can, you can disagree with this or you can agree. Some people, they say this, this person that's going to go into the temple is the Antichrist. Okay? I, I've heard that for a long time. The Antichrist is going to come into the temple. He's going to do something in the temple that's very evil. He's going to do something horrible in the temple. And I look at this and I go, okay, let me just, Joel, just pause for a minute here. This is going to be a very localized event. The people of Judea, that's the, that's the, that is the section of land where Jerusalem is in. It's just that area. Okay. It's the, it's that, we'll call it the county. People in Judea, they must flee to the hills because something's going to happen that's really bad. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return even to get his coat. Here it is. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. Why? Because you need to run fast. And I don't, I'm not, I've never been a pregnant mother. Sometimes I look like I'm pregnant, but... Last time I checked, a pregnant mother or nursing has to grab their baby. This is going to be very difficult to run fast. And pray that your flight or your escape will not be in winter. Why? There's a bunch of water. There's a bunch of floods. You're not going to be able to escape whatever this is. This is, you're, you better escape it right now. For everybody okay? Taking a, okay? We're good. For there will be greater anguish in those days than at any time since God created the world. And it will never be so great again. By the way, I read that this weekend. This just messes with me. It would help if Jesus said, reader, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, right? He was just talking about the temple being destructed. It will no longer, no stone will be sitting on top of another, Right? There's no transition. It's just he's going for, he's preaching. And in fact, unless the Lord shortens that time of calamity, not a single person will, will survive. But for the sake of his chosen ones or the sake of his elect, 
he has shortened those days. Hmm. Your pastor just needs to take a deep breath, right? Like, try to be up here and just be the, be the Bible master. This is exactly what it means. Alistair Begg and those people, they were wrong. Billy Graham? <laughs> Who is he? Me, Joel. Listen, everything I'm going to talk to you, everything I've been talking to you is my opinion. If, then if anyone look, tells you, look, here's the Messiah. There he is. Don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up. They'll perform signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's elect, God's chosen ones. Watch out. Be on high alert. I have warned you about this ahead of time. Okay, when I read the Bible, especially narrative, the first thing I have to ask, this might help you guys a little bit. This is not only it, because I do have to ask, what does that mean to me? But the first thing I have to say is, who is Jesus speaking to? Who is his original audience? Okay? The Bible is God-breathed for all of us. I get that. We have to read the Bible for what it says, and then we have to ask, now what? So even this, we have to ask, now what? But for just a moment, we need to ask the question, who is he talking to originally? Who are, who are they? His disciples. Keep going with this. He's talking to his disciples. If he looks at Peter right here, he goes, he goes, Peter, watch out. I've warned you ahead of time that these things are going to happen. Let me be honest. If these things he's talking about is 2,000 or 3,000 years in the future, Peter's not going to be there. Okay? I mean, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to think logically. I'm trying to think not only with, I'm not, this might seem weird. I'm not just thinking, okay, this is what my heart says. I'm just trying to think through this logically. I'm reading through it verse by verse by verse by verse. I've warned you about this ahead of time, Peter, James, John, Andrew. So I'm going to pause right here. I'm going to take a deep breath. These verses that we just read have been debated for centuries. Again, I've I've, I've, this week, I, did it, I, I made it my goal to listen to different teachers, Bible teachers, and read that book I've been reading, which I really do enjoy. I love it. Um, I agree with everything they say about it. I do. But then I listened to a Bible teacher I've completely, I've listened to my entire ch- lifetime with, uh, with God, and they say the opposite. So I'm sitting there, I mean, I'm wrestling. And then God goes, Joel. Just calm down. Take a deep breath. Just get up out of the, go up, take a deep breath. You're, you're, Joel, you're still a Christian, right? See, Jesus talks about the, this, this person, this abomination of de- desecration. You know, that is talking about a prophecy from the book of Daniel, by the way. The prophecy said, I wrote it down here, is that a foreign ruler was going to come in and he was going to desecrate the temple. Again, we have a problem here if that's the Antichrist. Because for years, people would say they're going to rebuild the temple. I get it, okay? But we have a problem right now. Do we have a temple in Jerusalem right now? Still gone. Still, you can go to the place. And they'll even have a little sign that you say, and they go, this is the temple right here. You can go pray at it. But it's a prophecy of a guy who is going to go 
and he's going to go into the temple and he's going to desecrate the temple. He's going to, he was going to sacrifice to false gods in the Jewish temple. That's horrible if you're a Jewish person. You come, if someone comes in this church and they walk in here and they, they, they don't praise Jesus, they're talking about some false god, you better believe there's a problem that we have. You're going to kick them out. Get out of here. This is the, this is the church of God. We are the church of God. This is where we meet. This place that we have together, us, is a holy place. In the temple, it's the same way. If you go in there and you're going to go in the temple and you're going to sacrifice, uh, these, to false gods, that's horrible. That is a, that's desecrating the temple. In fact, the historian Josephus, which I would, if you're taking notes, write this guy down. How many of us have ever heard of Josephus? Very, very, by the way, he is not pro-Christian. Okay? He's not. He's not trying to make a case about Christianity and how true it is. He's a historian. He, he deals with facts and figures. Some people will, will disagree over certain things he says. I'm not going to get into that today because that would just bore you to death. But um, Josephus talks about seven, he talks about Jesus being alive at some point. Then he talks about the church and these people went to their death because they believed in a risen Jesus. Then he talks about this thing happening around 69 or 70 AD that the Roman army came into Jerusalem they were going to get rid of Jerusalem. They were going to destroy it. But first, they went to the temple, according to Josephus, the historian. I wasn't there then. Okay? But the army came into Jerusalem. They went into the temple. They desecrated it. They, 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 were, they were doing stuff inside of the temple. They, and they began to sacrifice humans. They started sacrificing animals in the temple in the name of their false gods because they knew they were going to desecrate the temple. This is exactly what happened in history. According to Josephus, I wasn't there, okay? This is exactly what took place according to Josephus. Again, is Jesus talking about the temple destroyed in 70 AD? Is he talking about the end of time? When Jesus returns, here's my, here, lean forward a little bit. You might want to take notes on this, my, this point. 100%, I have no idea. How do you like that? Because you can't, if you're on both sides, this is about 2,000 years in the future when Jesus comes back, or 3,000 or 10,000 years, or no, this is about 70 AD. You can't both be right, right? You can't be right about it, 100%. So my quick answer is, I have no idea. And I'm okay with that. But I do have my opinions. And that's what they are, opinions. And I will never wrestle. If someone disagrees with me, I'm not going to go, wow, you, 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 you're going to go to heaven, but you're going to be in a different neighborhood. It's like, it's like those 49er fans. You know, they're going to go to heaven, but those 49er fans, they're going to be in a different neighborhood. Seahawk fans, we're going to be right next to Jesus because he loves the number 12. Anyway, but the 49er fans can hang out with the people that just say that this is like the, this is like the return of Jesus. Me, right now, if I had to guess right this second, it flows better from the beginning of when they ask their question about the temple and the temple itself. Okay? But this will give you confidence. I could be wrong. <laughs> How many of you guys hate being wrong? Come on. 
man, you know what? I love being wrong. No, no, I hate being wrong. But I'll be the first to admit, in the Bible, when it comes to this chapter, who am I? I could be wrong, and I'm okay with that. See, some people see this as 70 AD destruction of the temple. Some people say it's the sign of Jesus returning. Again, I believe in the return of Jesus. How many of us believe in the return of Jesus? The second coming, I do 100%. Our church, our, our, our denomination teaches that. That's part of our belief system. He will return like a thief in the night. Jesus doesn't even know when he's going he's gonna to do that. Only the Father does. So be ready, right? That's, that's me. If I had to guess, he's talking about 70 AD. But I could be wrong. Then... In verse 26, I'm going to skip the verse. There's a few verses here from verse 24 to 27. And I'm just going to read 26 and 27. Jesus, according to some, mid-sentence just changes it. Look at verse 26. Then everyone, everybody say everyone. What does that mean? What's everyone? Say it in the Greek. Say everyone. Okay. First, he was saying, he was saying, if you're in Judea, you better run to the hills. So it's very localized. Then everyone, I'm talking about everyone around the world, will see the Son of Man, Jesus, coming on the clouds with great power and great glory. Then he, Jesus, will send out his angels to gather his chosen ones from all over the world. Where? Where? All over the world. Okay. So mid-sentence, Jesus, you're changing things up here to confuse me even more. Like I said, I could be wrong. All over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and to he and heaven. Some people are going, oh, no, that's just talking about the ends of the earth as they knew it. No, 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 no. From the farthest ends of the earth and heaven, there's going to be this meeting taking place. Between the people who have gone before us and who, we who are left on the earth, there's going to be this meeting. I just got to take a breath for a second because I'm hurting here. My, my brain is just, I, you guys go to church and maybe watch online. You want to see the pastor be confident, right? Don't you want your pastor to be confident in what he's saying? Of course you do. You're not getting it today. What's Jesus talking about? I have no idea. That's kind of fun. You know, because for the rest of my life, I won't be wrestling in a way that I go, oh, I better be right. No, no, no. I'm just going, this is kind of, I love this kind of debate. I love this. Like, let's, let's talk about this. Let's have fun a little bit here. Because for the first little bit of this chapter, he's talking very localized. It, it flows with the chapter. Then verse 24, 25, it talks about the, the sun becoming dark and, and the moon and the stars. And they're all going to, it's, it's all sorts of different stuff that we recognize from the book of Joel. But what's going on here? Now, as we get, we're going to be closing. And I, my, my, my goal is that you walk away with something. But if you just leave and you go, I got nothing out of that. But it's fun little Joel got animated. That's fine. It will help you. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write down two passages of scripture. That's going to help. Matthew 21. No, I'm sorry. No, no. Sorry. Erase it. Matthew 24. Luke 21, okay? 
Matthew 24 and Luke 21. It helps to get those parallel passages of the exact same thing. Because Mark, I want to talk to Mark and Peter for a minute. You know, I wish I could in heaven and just kind of, you know, Mark, you left a few things out. Because Matthew and Luke, Matthew and Luke, in, in Mark, the disciples, how many questions did they ask Jesus? One. Okay, everybody say one. Okay, don't forget that. Okay, can you hold on to one? Put up your finger like this lid. Okay, just hold on. Now, in Luke and Matthew, they asked three questions. Everybody say three. One, three. There, you know, those two questions that we don't get absolutely help a little bit. Do you notice how I say a little bit? To, to explain a little bit. Because not only did they ask about the temple, when it's going to be destructed, but the last question they ask, they say, when's the end of, of the age? When's the end of time? So when you get that question, like, oh, okay, it makes a little more sense. Because, listen, when it comes to the return of Jesus, churches disagree on it. Have you noticed that? Pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, no-trib, rapture, no rapture, right? Millennium, no millennium. Um, it's called all-millennial, no millennium. Like, you, churches have wrestled over it. Can we just learn as a church, capital C, not to argue over those things? Because it's going to come like a thief in the night. Be ready today. Don't be re- Actually, take that back. Don't be ready later. Be ready right now. Because it says even, even later in this passage we're not going to touch, it's, Jesus says, only the Father knows when the time is. Even me, the Son, and the angels don't even know. And that says a lot. If Jesus doesn't know when he's coming, you won't know. You won't know. I guarantee you. So we write books about it. Jesus doesn't even know. Jesus, when you're coming back, I have no idea. Now, I want to I end this with two things, two thoughts. Then we'll be done. Because if I don't do this, then it's going to be a great history lesson. And kind of uh, Joel was being animated. And we got to see Pastor like go like, like that because I have no idea. That would be fun to see on YouTube, whatever. See, this all began with the disciples looking at the temple and how beautiful it was. And Jesus says, it is beautiful, but it's not going to be there for long. 40 years-ish. They were very distracted by the beauty of the temple when Jesus knew what was going on inside the temple. Evil. That's why he overturned the temple. Matthew talks about Jerusalem and the Jewish people being judged because of it. And so they were distracted by beauty on the outside, but decay was happening on the inside. Listen, number one, in this, this needs to happen because if these two don't, things don't happen, it's just a great history lesson. And I've never been a fan of, of sermons that are just a great history lesson. It's the now what thing. Here's, for some of us, we need to change some of the things that in our lives so that the inside of my life is healthy and not just, I don't just look the part on the outside. The temple looked beautiful on the outside, but what did it look like on the inside? It was not good. You turned my temple into a den of thieves. So some of us, maybe all of us, we need to change some things 
and ask God to help us line up our lives. Our inside needs to match our outside. We need to be holy all the way through. Number two, because that could be someone here. Number two, Jesus says that some tribulation is going to happen, and we can wrestle over the fact if it's 2,000 years after he said this, in 70 AD, the point is, in your life, you're going to have tribulation. I don't have to preach it because you know it. You're going to have trials beyond your control. Here's what it is. Some of us need to trust God, maybe all of us, need to trust God and trust in God's plan. Some of us live in constant fear. Some of us live in constant anxiety. Some of us need to repent of that. How can you say that? Fear is not from God. Anxiety is not from God, period. It's a spirit of fear. We need to repent of it. We need to run away from fear. So that's the sermon, but two things. Number one, those of us who you're, you're living the life of a Christian on the outside only, but your, your inside is death and decay. Number two, you, you, you simply live in fear all the time, anxiety, and God, you need to trust God more. Someone's like, sign me up for two. I want the two of them. Then that would be awesome. Let's take a moment and pray of those things. Heavenly Father. Oh. (laughs) Oh, boy, Lord, this is funny. Because I preach it and still don't know. That's okay. The most important thing right now, Lord God, is to know that you're coming back. We're ready. Whether it be today, tomorrow, in 10,000 years, we're going to be ready. But Lord, I thank you for this chapter. I thank you that we can we can have a friendly discussion and have a friendly wrestling match to say, hey, what do we think about it? But the most important thing is, Lord, there are some of us in this room that need to run to you because our inside does not match what we're acting like on the outside. Maybe our outside, we look holy, but our inside is not good. Our thought life is not pure. We need purity all the way through. And Lord, if there's any one of us in this room that is living in fear and anxiety and trepidation, God, would you help us to trust you even more? Because I know the spirit of fear is not from you. I know it's satanic, it's from the devil, and the devil wants to make us fear. And I pray that the spirit of peace will reign upon those here who fear all the time and live in constant anxiety. I pray for that peace to reign upon our mind and our hearts. In Christ Jesus, amen. Amen. God bless you. Read the whole chapter. Debate it with yourself. And then you come up with the conclusion that you think. And you say, you know what? I think Pastor Joel was not telling the truth about that part of it. That's okay. I'm okay with that. Amen? Okay, I'll just say amen. Amen. There we go.